again. He gets the edge and he's brilliantly caught by Kawaja in the gully. Drops it at his toes and comes through for a single for the first time in the Australian summer. An Australian batsman gets the chance to kiss the bat. Head down the pitch. He drives. This could be it. He beats it off. The arm is in the air already. There's nothing quite like your first test century. The Renegades have proved that nothing is impossible. This is Test Cricket. Covering cricket across Australia and right around the globe. This is Stumps with Bryce McGain and Jordan Cornelis. Welcome to Stumps this week. We are coming to the, well, nearing the final portion, I suppose, of the cricket summer. The Big Bash League is getting to the pointy ends. We have now reached, I suppose, the uh, the main juncture in Australia's international matches. A bit of a break before... They uh, the Australian take on the South Africans, uh, and also we are now also keeping an eye on what's happening overseas, both with international Test matches and what is happening at the Under 19s World Cup. Plenty going on still at this time of year, even though it is late in January. Bryce McGain is with myself, Jordan Canellas, for another episode of Stumps. Hello, Bryce. Good evening, Jordan. And uh, look, there's tons of cricket going on. Uh, the other night. Uh, I was following a Big Bash game. It was a doubleheader. The Big Bash was doubleheader. There was under-19 World Cup. There was the first day of the South Africa-England. New Zealand were playing India in a in a, uh, a T20 over there. Pakistan-Bangladesh T20. There was cricket everywhere. Yeah. Five games on. I, d- I just didn't know where to turn. And if you have any interest, there's a bit of tennis floating on as, ra- <laughs> as well with Nick Kyrgios. So, um, yeah, amazing. Tons of cricket and uh, a good time of year for us. That's the thing, isn't it? Like, even though cricket gets a bit quiet now in Australia, the tests are over, there's no one day as in Australia this time around, this season. They'll be back again in March for the uh, for the Chapel Hadley series against New Zealand. That's but, right. You know, a few one days against uh, India, a few one days against South Africa coming up, but kind of quiets down on the international scene. Big Bash is going to be over in about a week from now, a week and a half. Um but it's this is around the time of year that the international stuff starts to pick up. They don't really play. There's a couple of nations that play through the Christmas, Boxing Day, New Year's period. But now, in the middle of January, now there's a lot of international test matches, one-day series popping up. So if you're a fan of the uh, the global game, elsewhere, they, they pick up the slack of where Australia leaves off, I suppose. Well, that's right. And also, in, in Australia, it does give the Big Bash uh, free air time. And I, I like that the, the very best Australian players are back in. We see Steve Smith featuring just the other night uh, for the Sixers. Uh, and to have those stars coming back in, Lubbershane the same, uh, Warner uh, rolling a- around as well. So, look, that, that's what you want. Uh, you want your very best to be available at the pointy end of the Big Bash. And credit to Cricket Australia, I think, uh, this summer. I think their scheduling's been terrific, mm-hmm. even around domestic cricket, uh, around really valuing the Sheffield Shield and how important that is in preparing players for test matches. It enabled all the test players to play three Shield games and then lead into their their test series. Australia completely dominant, of course, winning all five tests against Pakistan and then following that up with New Zealand. But I think the scheduling's spot on. There's the right mix of um, Sheffield Shield and then a one-day block, a Sheffield Shield and one-day block. I thought that was good. And now the Big Bash, it's condensed. Everyone plays each other home and away. That's the only way to do it. But it's condensed now. Teams can handle it. Um, and if you need to manage your players, we'll give them a rest. And they have been able to do that uh, with a number of players. Just having a bit of a break to keep them cherry ripe for, for other games later in the tournament. We are going back a little while a few months ago. But that Shield and One Day Cup 
uh, you know, back and forth, I suppose, the the breaks between each competition, flip-flopping between the two. That's a bit like the old days, wasn't it, where you'd play, uh, if I recall correctly, a Shield game and then tacked onto the back of that would be a one-day game against That's right. the same opponent most times. So it's sort of going back to – and that, that uh, structure worked, didn't it? Kind of going back to what happened – you know, a, a decade plus ago. Yeah, what it did, it produced good one-day players because they can they get a steady opportunity and a steady chance to go and perform their skills. But it also put those games on big grounds. No point playing them at grade cricket grounds, which yeah. they have done. They've thrown it in early in the season in, in Bankstown and, and North Sydney and all these little grounds. That's great. And the sixes, the ball's flying everywhere and no one's there really watching. But uh, <laughs> the, the important part now, they're on the main ovals, they're on the big grounds. Players are getting better prepared in the right facility for the next level. And and that's that's the responsibility of domestic cricket. So there's a, a, a great bigger respect um, paid. And, and Peter Roach, uh, I know, has had a, had a lot to do with that around uh, from Cricket Australia in, in, in the general manager there um, in terms of getting those players on the big grounds, getting them prepared for the next level and, and giving them all the opportunity. I, I think it's been a really good summer in that respect. It seemed odd to have a week or, or 10 days away for the Australian team and they've just come back from that series yeah. over in India and unfortunately after a great start, uh, Australia winning that first one day up, they were wrapped up in the next two. Uh, India pretty comprehensive over Australia and it probably just highlighted a few deficiencies just with that particular lineup. Yeah, so we spoke about the first two one-day matches last week. They'd been played by the time we uh, were to air uh, last Saturday, but the uh, final and third ODI was a day after we were doing our previous episode of Stumps. So yes. uh, if we go back to the start of the week on the Sunday night, Australia uh, losing to India. Um, nine for 286 Australia made. India chased it down with about an, uh, two and a half overs to go. Um what was was it a similar story from the second ODI to the third? What was that main problem for Australia? It's been spoken about, but uh, yeah, what was it? Well, it was certainly in the middle order where yep. we uh, <laughs> just didn't have any firepower to really stretch the Indians here. That they had an opportunity there to be looking at 320, 330, even 340 if they get some power hitting going and really uh, take to the the Indian bowlers, but they just really struggled with that. Uh, through that middle order. So that's certainly highlighted. The Australian team's certainly going to be better. Um, it'll be a better balanced team when they head off to South Africa for the next uh, white ball series over there, which is coming up soon. Mm-hmm. So there'll, there'll be a better balance to the team and that deficiency will be pretty clear that, they, that they've misdone that. So what what they also try to do is throw a power, a power hitter in there or a pinch hitter, as, as is known. Um, Mitchell Stark went up the order to start hitting Jadeja and the spin and hitting with the spin. Uh, that didn't work, but such was the concern with the, I guess, the firepower that Andrew McDonald had. He, he felt that he needed to insert a, a bit of a, a mid-wicket uh, slogger, I suppose, in, in, in Stark to, to play a bit of a role because there, there just wasn't that firepower yeah. there. I think Glenn Maxwell will come right into calculations and probably a Marcus Stoinis. But what it does do, swinging this back into the big bash, the boys now have an opportunity. If you're, you're in that middle order and you're a hitter and you can finish the innings, um, now's your opportunity. Put your case up because you'll be going on that tour. Yeah, so who, who does then if... Uh, and, you know, there will be changes for that South African tour. Who does get the nod, do you think? Is it front runners of those two names that you mentioned? Are there others sprinkled around the Big Bash that uh, you think are in line for an Australian selection? Yeah, there are. There's a, a, a tricky little player, and he's been around for a while, John O'Wells uh, with the Adelaide Strikers. And yeah. it, he's not seen as a, a big 
belter of the ball. Mitch Mitch Marsh is probably in that sort of role who can stand there, stand and deliver. Um, he's had a bit of a lumpy performance through the Big Bash uh, at times, really showing his class uh, as the captain of the the Scorchers. But uh, John O'Wells uh, isn't able to he's able to ramp the ball. He can clear the pickets. He runs really quickly between the wickets. So mm-hmm. he can be that accelerator that can really take a game away from a bowling lineup. Um, all India were able to do in those last few one days is just bowl Yorkers and our batsmen couldn't get them out. Now, we need better players to actually delve into that and be able to ramp them and suddenly the the, the Yorkers no longer a weapon yeah. if you have that capability, but then you can hit over the the the, uh, the ropes as well. So, John O. Wells is doing really well and he's done it for a number of years now. I think he's uh, zeroing in on, on an opportunity, um, maybe just for T20, but I think in one-day cricket, I, I think he's... Um, more than capable as well, and is, should be considered. Yeah, is it? Uh, would would the Australian selectors be? Uh, would would they would they like to pick a player who is probably more just a specialist batsman rather than going for an all rounder like uh, like an Ashton Turner, like an Ashton Agar, more so uh, in for that middle order instead of having those those flexible players just going for pure batsmen. Yeah, I think the the best T Twenty teams ha- have players that are nearly specialists, and I, I, that's where I think Australia like to have the flexibility. But if you you look at it, the best players are the ones that do their skill really well, and they just play to their strengths, and that's so important. Uh, rather than just being oh they're okay with the bat, they can do this, and oh they're okay with the ball, that's not too bad. You really need a standout skill, and Australia do need some standout batters in there, and I think that it's such a specialist role and an adaptable role. You need a really good thinker and someone with the experience of John O'Wells uh, as well. Um, you know, we think of him as a young player, but he's in his late twenties now. And yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, and he does look like a schoolboy. you know, he's uh, yeah. five foot two and uh, fresh faced, but uh, I think that uh, someone like him, it'd certainly be um, in the calculations and th- th- look with the change in selection group with, uh, uh, George, George Bailey, Bailey, yeah, coming in. He, he he's now played against them. He gets to know them, and he's done all the research about opposition and seen them in action. He he knows those dangerous players and and who can fulfil that role and and make that Australian team even better. We we haven't spoken about that yet on stumps. George Bailey being uh being given the role of selector once I suppose his playing days are over, which will be very very soon. It was a much sought after role. Two hundred people applied for it. Would you believe two hundred people in Australian cricket applied for that role? Australian cricket, or was that because it was put on uh, on seek? Well, probably because it was on seek, and uh, <laughs> someone from the local club said, "Oh, I can do a better job than these blokes," and put his application in. Um, so, two hundred people applied. Quite remarkable. And George Bailey got the nod. George Bailey got the nod. Yeah, <laughs> it makes a hell of a lot of sense, though, doesn't it? Having modern, you know, having recently retired players from the modern game be put into into those sort of positions. I mean, clearly, you need to have smart players who have the the, the know how. George Bailey does. Um, not all players are like that. Some athletes in any sport are just sort of people who go out there and just do what they're told and they do it very well. Um, but the smart athletes, it makes sense to have them in positions that directly affect the the still incumbent players and and things that they'll be doing, decisions they'll be making on the field, who gets picked in the squads. You would rather have, you know, as I said, you'd rather have players just out of the game making decisions because they know what's going on rather than old school players who are probably basing their decisions. I don't want to be, I don't want to generalize too much, but probably basing their decisions on what happened 30 years ago. Yeah. I, Am I wrong I, in saying that? Or are they still, are they still part of the older brigade who can still make decisions based on, you know, pick teams and, and coach teams 
uh, to the new code or whatever. Yeah, I think what you're saying is uh, probably a, a, a general view, and, and I think you're right. But what what this does, having George Bale in there, it gives them a mix. Trevor Holmes is is probably a bit of your old school, and mm-hmm. let, let, let's you know analyze the players in that respect. He hasn't played T Twenty cricket; he's just observed it. So him selecting on it, you know, maybe doesn't quite give the insights and and the knowledge. You know, we can look at runs and strike rates, and you know, if we're looking at those things for T Twenty, well, you're kind of missing the point. You know, we're looking for accelerators, players who can score off their first ten balls, players who can then build an innings. Uh, complementary players in a batting lineup as well, flexible players. So that's what a lot of the franchises are looking at now. And have, having someone who's living it right now to then go and make those calls, particularly in the shorter form, I think is pretty important. Having someone to oversee it with good business acumen, like a Trevor Holmes, is, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And and to maybe ask the questions of the, those uh Th- those other selectors as well. Are we are we considering this? Are we you know playing a bit of devil's advocate? So that's what a good committee does, um, a selection committee. So look, I think they've got a good balance there, um, and with with George Bailey involved, uh, I think it's a, a good situation. But wrapping up on the big bash, yeah, where are we? The big well, bash. Well, what we find is the last couple of teams have got two. Uh, so we're talking about the Heat in seventh and the Renegades in eighth have a couple of games up their sleeve. Every other team has one more game, so we are getting right to the pointy end. Uh, look, it, it looks like, well, the Renegades are done. The Heat are down in the mix. They need to win their last two. They've got a tough assignment against the Melbourne Stars uh, ten- tonight, uh, happening at, at just about as we speak. Everyone's uh, getting through their warm-ups. And um, an interesting game uh, going through as well. The Sixers are right in the mix. Uh, so it's, look... It, it's shaping out what will be an exciting final series, a final five for the first time. Yeah. And I think that's right. I think that gives the, the right indication and, and the reward for those teams at the top. You don't want them punted straight out where early on in, in versions, one played four and one went punted and, and, and yeah. disrespected what they'd done throughout the tournament. So the Stars do, certainly deserve to have that uh, that extra chance, as do second and third. So, And I, make, I think it makes for a more exciting series. There's a bit of give and take in that, isn't there? Some people say, oh, I don't like having five out of the eight teams that you know rewards mediocrity if a team finishes fifth and they have a you know a you know as I would call it in American sport a 500 record you know yeah, as yeah. many as many wins as you have losses you know do you deserve to get into the finals based on that which is a valid argument but as you said this final five system also gives the top teams a second chance so you don't get that that freak incident where you know the top team gets bundled out on a bad day they get a second time around which I don't. I I quite like. I think without even having seen the final system work yet, we haven't reached it at this point. I I quite like the system, and the big bash is a small enough and close enough league and an even enough league that even the team who finishes fifth is still going to be pretty decent. Oh, absolutely. there's no doubt about that. They're all incredibly capable, and you'll even find the renegades if they if they were able to secure it, something like that. That'd still be dangerous. Don't worry about that. Yeah. But I think because they have players going in and out all the time, some mm-hmm. away with international duty, some for Australian duty, and then coming back, you, you need to have the flexibility of a five team final series. You, you just must because it, it's compromised in some respects because you don't have your best best players all the way through the whole tournament. Yep. This is Stumps, Jordan Canellis with you, Bryce McGain with me. And after this, we're going to uh, continue on our chat with the Big Bash and we'll speak to Director of Cricket at the Melbourne Stars, Trent Woodhill, who's been a key part of why the Stars have been successful this season. We're going to delve in into why that has been the case next on Stumps. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. 
Welcome back to Stumps this weekend. Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you. Coming down to the pointy end of the uh, BBL season. Most teams have either one or two matches remaining before we get into the finals, which begins in about a week from now. The Melbourne Stars have already booked their position in the BBL finals. They have uh, locked away pretty much top spot at uh, the moment with 10 wins from their 13 matches. It's been an extraordinary season so far from the Melbourne Stars and a big reason uh, for that, Bryce, has been their Director of Cricket at the Stars, Trent Woodhill, who joins us here on Stumps. Hello, Trent. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, guys. Hope you're well. Congratulations so far on the uh, on the, the great uh, results that you've enjoyed so far through the season. What's been the, the main highlight for you that you've been most pleased with when, uh, when watching your team? Uh, well, firstly, thanks for that. I, I appreciate it. And it, it's something that we've really enjoyed and really proud of. And I think what's what's been the best thing is that um, we've won, winning to uh, wanting to win more games. Uh, and likewise, when we've lost, we, we haven't um, we haven't kicked the cans and and started jumping at shadows. We've we're, we're just trying to get through the basics and and, and win every ball. And and it, that's uh, that's a good feeling. That means we're not getting too high and we're not getting too low. Was that a uh, was that a direct uh, objective from the back end of last season? The way that the way that petered out, maybe, you know, looking at the history of the, the, the club through its uh, eight seasons prior to this, was there a, was there a clear shift to, put, you know, stop the foot down and say, let's change things up at the Stars? It's probably a maturity. Um, I think players are maturing, and I think also that it's the nature of the competition. With the, uh, the competition being shortened by a week, uh, you can't get too caught up in your last game. And what we've done really well, and what we've done probably better than other teams is we've moved away from the previous game. So we've, We've learnt from winning and we've learnt from losing, um, and it's a, it's a really tough tough trip now with a bit of, with a big bash, and uh, you can you can get really caught up in, in how the previous game's gone and not and not be ready for that next game. We felt well with the, the three losses we've had, uh, you know, two of them have been against the strikers who we think are a really good team, but it's it's um, it's gone down to the, the last over on both occasions, and the first one was down to the last ball, and then the sixes. Um, you know, we felt there's a couple of individuals, mainly Vincent and Enrique, that just uh, played out of their skin. Mm. And then in a bowl with Ben Dwarshers, who came back strongly from his mauling at the MCG to, to bowl really well. So we, we felt like other teams have had to play really well to beat us. Um, and, and it's it's important that we, we continue to think that way, that we, we, we put out a, an effort that makes, makes up the other teams go to be at the top of their game to, to beat us. There's no doubt about that, Trent. Great to be catching up with you. And uh, I know you and David Hussey have a great relationship, along with your captain, Glenn Maxwell. And it really is a team effort. And it uh, is, is clearly that way at the Stars. Now, more than just the director of cricket, you, you have a bit of a hands-on role as well as, uh, as the batting coach. But you've also done a lot of work in the preparation of the team as well. And that's what I'm really interested in. Not only the analysis uh, and bringing uh, in a, a more in-depth analysis of, uh, of T20 cricket and how to succeed at it, but also the recruiting. So how do you balance all the, the hats and h- how much time are you you're finding you're putting into um, this role with the Stars? It's a, it's a lot, but it's, but it's obviously it's, a, it's enjoyable when you're winning. So when you, when you feel like the the fruits of your labour being recognised, then, then you, you have a lot more energy than you would if, if things aren't working. And um, I think it's important to grow in, in, your, in your roles. And, and, and with Clifton Mackay as, as bowling coach this year, he's really embraced the, um, the, the data analysis. And, and it's not about being led by that. It's about um, balancing your intuition and experience in the game with, with the, the stats that are real. Uh, so I, th- I feel like as a team, we're growing into that. 
And then in, in terms of lists that, you know, cohesion's played a big part. And with both myself and David Hussey have learned a lot from Greg Shippard and then Stephen Fleming. So yep. I think David is a, a combination of the two. Uh, he's, you know, he's very close to both and, and, and as, as an I. So we've, we're making sure that we're growing and learning rather than having all the answers. So we, you know, we make sure we look for those where we can. So then that, that comes in and onto the list. We're, we're filling up players, um, have an environment here where they can be wrong and not be judged on it. They can, they can develop parts of their, uh, their games without, without tinkering too much. So, so that, especially the Perth boys, which we've got five or six of, they've, they've come into this environment uh, with a bit of freedom, which means that they, they, they have to think a little bit more about their own preparation rather than waiting to be told what their preparation is. Well, it, it, it's certainly a full-ranging uh, combination. Uh, in terms of the recruiting, I, I guess your, your, your main international player was Dale Stain, but uh, yep. it, it probably, it, and it looks at like it in the way it's turned out, because of a little niggling injury, it's probably more of a marketing campaign for Dale Stain. Harris Ralph was an incredible pickup. Explain that to us, because he's come from nowhere and been one of the key bowlers of the T20 this tournament. Yeah, we... we, we... Got a heads up from Nick Cummins, who was um, previous GM of the Thunder, um, CEO of Tasmanian Cricket, and he has a he has a relationship with, with the Q Landers uh, at Lahore because he had a, a quad series that he'd run with the Sixers, the Thunder, the Q Landers, and Auckland Cricket. Yep. And and he um, he notified us that that uh, there's a guy that that might be available. When when Dale the day Dale, Dale arrived, um, we knew that he had a niggle, and he, we weren't sure how much of the tournament he'd be able to. Playing. Our other import, Pat Brown, was only arriving the day we landed in, in, uh, on the Gold Coast. So we didn't want to expose him too early because of you know, getting off the plane and playing. So we, we had access to, to Harris and, and um, yeah, we gave the Hobart Hurricanes a, um, a heads up as well that, that we were interested in, in getting to Melbourne. And um, it, we gave them an opportunity too because they, they were just playing cricket in Glenorchy and, uh, and they had an interest in him. Yep. We, we had a need from him. So they had interest, we had a need. And we, we, um, we pulled. You know, pulled the trigger on that, and we were, you know, we were as 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 excited by everybody, and and obviously he's a, he's a massive talent. So we we were, I wouldn't say we were lucky because we're thorough, but we we're lucky that he he's not only a fast bowler, he's also a really vibrant, exciting person too, which has been great for us. Trent, did you how much of that? pick up that selection of Harris Ralph. I know you, you obviously trust the people around you within the organization, but how much had you actually seen and known of Harris Ralph? And, and in some way were you was it a bit of blind faith in, in picking him based on word of mouth? Well the blind faith comes come, so a bit like the data stuff. You, you get out the facts first. So what we knew we knew he was quick because we'd seen we'd seen footage of him bowling to uh, notably, a couple of South African players in the PSL, and you could tell from the footage that he was hurrying, hurrying people up. And then you speak to, to players who have played against him in the PSL, and they were quick to say, "Yeah, great change up. Um, he's, he's quicker than you think." And um, I, I guess we didn't expect him to be as quick as what what we saw on, on online. And um, yeah, the conditions in Australia obviously suit, suit him as well, especially the MCG. So, so we were really excited by by, by Harris, and, and then afterwards, you know, everyone was just. So excited to see him bowl that quick, especially being able to bowl 150. Absolutely. I can just see you sitting back there just ticking all the boxes down there. He's fast. It suits the MCG tick. The other, the opposition hate facing him tick. Yep. You know, we'll we'll, we'll yeah. give him a good chance. Yeah. So it's, it's not so much a risk. It's a real calculated analysis. And I guess that's the other part of what, what you've really delved into. And I, I think the, star, uh, the Stars are doing this better than any other franchise. And, I want to understand a bit more about that analysis. Does it come down to the 
and in truly understanding your opposition and where their preferences are in what side they hit the ball to, what their go-to is, and is it that in-depth that you're doing to formulate a game plan to take down the opposition each game? Well, it gets to that. It gets to that point. If you look at um, two parts to it, you look at first of all, we're trying to we're trying to get the players in the position where they they're really comfortable with their own games without worrying about the opposition, and and that's where Huss and actually that's their that's their job along with. Um, with Clint McKay and Luke Wright and uh, Jared Lofman. So it's making sure, first and foremost, the player is ready to go for the stars. And then, then when we feel they're, they're ready, then we'll add the, add the opposition component, and, you know, what to expect, well, what they do when they succeed, uh, and what they do when they're, when they're average. So I don't mean average isn't bad, but as in yep. the consistency of the player. So, for example, John O'Wells, um, he, he keeps getting ahead of the curve. We, we think we, we're onto something, and he, and he um, responds. And so it's important that, to, to realise the opposition has a say, and, and at times, at times they're better, and that, that's okay as well. I think maybe at the past we were almost uh, when when teams were better or individuals were better, it was difficult to accept, and that that prevents learning. I think this year we've been calmer when somebody else has had a day out against us. And tonight it might be a win or a Davies, um, and, and and you know you, you just got to sit back and, and, and roll with it. Um, but you know we also then know that we that if we plan right and, and, and we execute the way we want to be. It's, it's knowing you want to be at your best, but what is when you're not at your best, how do you still get a result? How do you take games deep? And that's where, that's where that analysis side can, can come into play. But first and foremost, it's the, it's the coaches with the captain being able to, to level the players to make sure that they're ready to go from, a, from an individual perspective and a team perspective before you can add anything else to it. Trent, it's an incredible insight you're getting. And I'm, I'm really loving it. Um, being a cricket snuff, I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the way that you're going about it and also explaining it. Uh, one of the things clearly from the outside and uh, you, your standard newspaper reporter would go, well, the Stars are doing well because Stoinis is doing great at the top and uh, Maxwell's been a gun and he's doing that yeah. and, and that's just the way it is. But there's a lot more levels to that. And the part that I really like was one of the games and it, it seemed to be a gut feel that the, I guess the, the Scorchers like to score on the onside. Yeah. But then you yeah. put again. You, you brought in a bowler specifically for that role, which was Jackson Coleman, who who yeah. out of the blue um, just cleaned him up, locked him down, and angling the left armer angling the ball across the, those uh, those leg side dominant players, and it just proved to be a masterstroke. And it seemed like it was out of the blue, but obviously that's the analysis and that uh, that insight working in uh, in the match situation, isn't it? Yeah, and. and- Jack Coleman's a hell of a talent, first and foremost, and he's had some injury issues. And, and we felt we had to get better across some of the areas because, uh, if you like, Perth and, and to a lesser extent Sydney Sixers were, have been so dominant as well. So we, we need to make sure we have a, a lot of athleticism in our squad, but also bowling depth. So the, the fact that Jack has taken a three-fer this year, Clint Hinchcliffe has two three-fers, and Nick Babson has one three-fer, yep. that, that's, that's, a, that's a good response to it, to it being just dominated by two players. Um, so we've, we've been in a position to be able to rest uh, Matt Cook's Nile at times to make sure that when he plays, he gives his body every chance to beat his peak. Uh, and that way, you know, sometimes it's Jackson Coleman, it's Lance Morris. And if we come back to Dale Stane, we, we got Dale because we also knew the character he was. And he's been invaluable with passing on his information to, to both Clint McKay, but also people like Lance Morris and Jackson Coleman and uh, even Pat Brown, our other import, who never played because of his so it's trying to establish a learning environment, not just a, a feel-good, feel-good franchise, so that players can take stuff from from the environment that we've created under, under Huss and, and Maxi that, that they they improve 
when they leave here as well. And, and that's also then celebrating international call-ups. So Peter Hanscom, Adam Zamper and Harris Ralph being selected for, for their countries is, is a really good thing rather than it being a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, and that, I think that way, that's, a, that's a better way to attract players as well, that if you can encourage people to come here because it, they're going to improve and have more chance of being picked for the country, I think that's, that's, a, that's a big plus. Trent Woodhill, the uh, Melbourne Stars Director of Cricket with us here on Stumps. We'll take a quick break. Trent's going to stick around and join us again on the other side of this to continue on our discussion uh, with the Melbourne Stars currently on top of the BBL table. Stumps coming back after this. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps. Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you. Trent Woodhill is with us from the Melbourne Stars, the Director of Cricket at the Stars, our special guest today on Stumps. Trent, is your uh, is your level of data analysis and the way that the Melbourne Stars have operated this year, is that is it a new standard? Is it a new level for, for 2020 cricket? Is it is it has it been seen and used before, do you know, in test cricket? Is this a, a new frontier that you're I now think approaching? It is. I, I think it is uh, and the Renegades did a fantastic job with it last year. We we use the same people as they do in a company called Crispies. So we we use a different analyst to them, but I think it's in my experience, uh, having been in an analytical position before, um, a lot of it's hindsight. A lot of it's like uh, you know uh, someone saying, "Well, I told you you should have played Jackson Coleman," which doesn't help. So it's trying to ha- how you bring in real time decision making, and, and so I think what we do well is that we we allow Glenn um, options. So rather than it just being instinctive, he, he'll be instinctive around three or four options that that we may, may put in front of him. But then come to the Scorchers game at the MCG, that's all, that's all Glenn Maxwell. He, he has worked out from the batting innings that this, this wicket is going to be difficult to score on and spin. So, so he introduced Hinchcliffe, Maxwell, uh, Sandeep, um, uh, Madison. So he had four bowlers that he could use that, that maybe weren't in our plans, but, um, weren't in our A and B plans. So I think the, the, player, the player's ability to lead themselves and, and be led in terms of Glenn and is, is the first important ingredient for data analysis because um, sometimes it can be a little bit too raw where you're, you're asking a player to be at their best all the time and in, in a tournament like this, which is, which is so long, mm. uh, that, that's, that's difficult to do. So it's making sure when they operate at 80 or 90%, um, they're, they're operating in a smart way as well. Uh, they have all the information to deal with that. How did the players um, embrace it initially? Glenn Maxwell, the captain, the rest of the squad, was it... Was it daunting for them, or did they embrace it uh, wholeheartedly? No, I, think, I think they did, and, and we've sort of done due diligence too. We, 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 filter, we filter information to make sure we're not overburdening them, and, and there's some games where we'll, we'll take that out because uh, you know, players, players might be tired and that you just want them to, to prepare about getting their own game right and react to what's in front of them. And other times, we, you know, we're, we're telling them the likelihood of what, what, what will be in front of them, and that's, that's where, where Huss has been really good, and um, him having a feel for the group just from being captain first and then, then yeah. being coach, being assistant for a year and being coach is, is massive. So his, his relationship with Maxi and the team has been, been good. And I, I guess Peter Hanscom's captaining last game um, showed that the group's in a really good place. It was, it was a seamless transition to a, yeah, to a teammate in Maxi who was, who was hurting and, and um, but, but was able to, 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 you know, to feel that love around the group without... without Things uh, going off off track, but as much as we didn't get the win, uh, we, we felt like uh, that we you know we're stronger to that experience of um, for, you know, for how Pete went as well. Yeah, he did a ter- he did a he did a really good job. It's great to have that level of depth and that that leadership there. Big game coming up. You've yeah. got the heat. Uh, it's it's a it's a serious challenge uh, because 
they're so unpredictable. They've got lumpy performance, but they've got some stars in yep. their in their team. What can we expect uh, tonight? Uh, well, we're, well, I think we're a little bit stronger than uh, we were in, in Adelaide. Uh, Chris and I have been back, so um, that that helps. Um, and and it's, it's just make sure we own our, our ground as well. We haven't we haven't lost there this season. We we feel really confident when we're playing there. So it's just making sure that from from the first ball, the the heat is on the heat. Um, and that, that's just making, making good decisions. And, and if there is a little moment where a, a Lynn or a, a Vigas gets away, it's being, it's being ready to, to, to create an opportunity so that they, they don't go the full, the full way. Um, so they're, they're allowed a high-large package, but it's making sure that it's chances <laughs> offered. We're, we're allowed to, we're allowed to catch, catch, catch that, whether it's a run out, a, you know, an excellent catch, or, or just a good couple of tight overs to put pressure on them. Without giving away your, your innermost uh, trade secrets, there, uh, Trent Trent Woodhill from the Melbourne Stars joining us here on Stumps. What's probably the the most obvious and um, uh, prominent thing that you have analysed about the Brisbane Heat and, and how they've gone this season? The, the funny thing is, I, I worked I've worked with David Warner for you know, for since about two thousand eight. I, I did seven IPLs with AB to I can't tell you anything about how to get him out, that, <laughs> and if you like, but. The, the way I work as a batting coach, particularly, is just to try and make sure people feel good and they're, and they're really going back to their to their natural technique and feeling a good place to execute. So it's so it's weird when you see game plans for someone like the you think, well, okay, good luck. Because <laughs> 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 he's, he's a genius, and and um, yeah, sometimes you just got to sit back and enjoy the show. And, and when he misses out, yeah, you, you you breathe a nice sigh, sigh of relief and, and hope that you carry on. Well, the best way is to limit the damage. I know firsthand, Trent, how good he can be, uh, having uh, play, him belted me around the park for 160 in my test match. But, um, look, he is a star, and uh, he's bringing people in the gate as well. He hasn't quite really nailed and hit his straps. I hope it's not tonight. Um, we'll leave that for... Yeah, we we'll might, <laughs> might leave that for their last game, and uh, they can farewell him uh, maybe with a, with a big showpiece innings. But uh, Glenn Maxwell's been terrific as captain, yes, and we has. know he's had yep. his challenges and, uh, and, yep. and his mental health, and he's led the way. I, I think he's, it, it's remarkable what he's done yep. and for the whole community, not just the cricket and not just for himself, yep. but a, a lot of men in the country are saying, well, it's okay to just go, look, I'm not quite right now. I just need a bit of a break. Yep. And he's done yep. that, and he's come back refreshed, and uh, his leadership, we're now seeing that, and the way he's talking about it, it's nearly like the insight when the Big Bash first started and Shane Warne started talking through deliveries, yeah. and you go, hang on, yep. this bloke's a genius. He gets the game. He, he's a great a great leader of the game, and we're seeing that with Glenn Maxwell, aren't we? We, we are. He's, he's as good as I've worked with. And, you know, he, he, he's one player that can, that can be in the same column as an AB to do this. In that T20 space, he can win the game from anywhere. But I think what people don't really uh, realise about Glenn is just how... Um, how good he has, is at, at being captain. How it, how he it's not just off the cuff. He, he he does a lot of studying of the opposition, a lot of studying of his own players and on where they're at. So so his decision making is first class as a leader, and he feels he has an environment uh, with the stars where he you know, he's he's back. So he's he can make he can make decisions that that maybe not turn out right, whether it's individually with the bat or whether it's as a captain, and and the whole team's got his back. And yep. that means his confidence is growing as well. And he's he's definitely you know the the, the leader of this team and, and um, yeah, everyone looks up to him and everyone supports him so in, in turn you know he, he offers a lot of support for, for the new players and someone like Clint Hinchcliffe who's who's come across this year has thrived under Glenn's uh, tutorage and, and not just uh, not just a, um, from a 
a game perspective, but also from a life uh, perspective. So it's it's great to see. And that, they're the things that make you feel good about the position you're in. Can, can that, what you've just said about Glenn Maxwell in T20s, can that easily be translated then into the red ball form, into test cricket? Oh, no doubt. And I've, I've said this, I've, I've sort of looked at my tweets over the last three years. I've said the same thing in December each year, that this, this guy's too good not to be in the Australian setup. But, but likewise, I think, I think in jail, he's got a fan. Um, you know, jail is, is supportive of Glenn, and, and especially when Glenn took that time out, it, it, um, jail was very helpful with him. But yeah. I, th- I think... I mean, I, you know, I've, I've pushed and pushed and pushed in terms of you know, how we how we treat talent in Australia. And Glenn, Glenn is a better player than, than, than players in that test team. Um, he's got more talent than players in that test team. But, but sometimes that's not enough. And sometimes you need some support with the talent. You need to be able to give it an extended run. And, and it's just the way sport is. And, and Bryce, you understand that. Sometimes there's guys who, who just get more, more chances than others. And they have to prove themselves over and over again. Um, it's just a shame when it's the talent ones because you, you you know that if he he had an extended run he he would he would be um yeah he'd be he'd be world class because that's how how I see him every day. No doubt about it, Trent. And uh, thanks for the insight. We we really appreciate that, uh, Glenn Maxwell. Um, there would be every other country around the world that would say, well, and particularly it was highlighted most definitely in the most recent. Uh, one day series India uh, over in India yeah. where Australia in their yeah. middle order didn't have any firepower that they probably weren't so concerned and there's no, no disrespect to Ashton uh, Turner um, as he comes in at six but if it's a Glenn Maxwell I can assure you now Virat Kohli's got some headaches and yeah. every other country yeah. would hate to see him coming in at six whether it be in white clothing whether it be at T20 or even the one day game so he, he is going to be the key of, of our cricket, and it's great that um, you're well aware that JL is a supporter. And I think the selectors are, are getting things right and uh, and yeah. honing in on um, supporting the strengths of the players more than yeah, mo- maybe moulding yeah. them to be a certain way. I think so. I think, and it's you know, it's, it, we, as a nation of cricket, we're conservative, and things like that take time. And it's and, and I, I've made that point to JL. It's easier for me from a franchise perspective to push on things. Uh, it's a different setup than a day-to-day thing. But, uh, look, I, I, Maxi will be one of the first picked in that T20 World Cup team, uh, and there'll be other t- opportunities again for, in uh, in white ball cricket. And whether there is in red ball cricket, uh, who knows? But um, it's just it's just nice that he's in a good place and that he's, he he feels he can express himself around his cricket. And, and you know, that's what the stars we want to be known for. That's the the culture of the club is one of support and and um, and one of growth. So I think I think it's a club where we're doing that. Uh, Trent, before we let you go, one of the uh, one of the players who you've brought into your Melbourne Stars squad for this late stage of the season uh, on this occasion to fill in for Harris Ralph is another Pakistan yep. quick, Dilbar Hussain, uh, who will be playing tonight against the Brisbane Heat. Tell us a bit about Dilbar and I suppose the, the similar process I imagine it would have taken to find him in the way that you did Harris Ralph and, and what he's all about, Dilbar Hussain. Well, um, from the introduction from Nick Cummins to the, the Hawks um so we, we we established a relationship with Harris and, and I feel like we really looked after him and you know, he we provided him with an opportunity but he provided a, he provided performance and, and excitement so they've that, been really helpful um, with us trying to um, establish a, another player and, and uh, they recommended Dilbar to us who who who, who bowls with uh, Harris in the in the PSL um, so he came over uh, maybe four or five days ago now and, and had a good hit out at the the junction with with Michael Beer and up against John O'Merlo and. He feels good. He trained with us yesterday. Looks great. He, he probably won't be as quick as Harris, but 
he's got some tricks. He'll, he'll, um, his Yorker will be, will be A plus, and his slower ball's really good. And I feel at the MCG, uh, his, his bag of tricks will be, will be helpful. Um, and that, that's one area that the last couple of losses we, we haven't been able to close out the innings um, from a bowling perspective. And we think, we think uh, Dilbar will provide that opportunity. Trent, it's been a pleasure ta- uh, chatting to you uh, today on Stumps. Uh, good luck with the rest of the season. You're in a, a premium position right now. The stars to go on and take the whole thing uh, in your stride, but you've uh, you've managed it well so far through this port- passion, portion of the season, and I hope it goes well for your sake in the finals. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys, and thanks, uh, thanks for the questions and the support. Appreciate it. Trent Woodhill, the director of uh, cricket at the Melbourne Stars, and uh, what a season they've had, Bryce. Well, what a terrific insight. You know, Trent's so open with... Uh, him just sharing the way they go about it. And, boy, I, I'm excited. I want to play for the Stars now. You know, if they're, they're about growth and, uh, you know, producing good players and, and, you know, springboarding them further, I think that's it's all really positive and they're doing a great job. And you can see it. You can see they're a happy group. So credit to Trent uh, in his role as Director of Cricket. We'll take a break on Stumps. We'll come back on the other side of this and wrap things up for this afternoon. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps. Jordan Canellis, Bryce McGain with you. Bryce, uh, Under-19 Cricket World Cup, Australia is looking pretty fine at the moment. Well, they are now. It was a scary start to it. West Indies did a number on them. The man-childs the man from the West Indies, they're massive. <laughs> uh, they, they beat us in the first game. Bit of a scare through the camp. They ended up knocking off uh, Nigeria and then uh, following up with a win over England as well. So Australia are through to the next round um, with, with the quarterfinals there, which is uh, exciting for that young group. Um, some terrific players, Fraser McGurk, uh, Maka Harvey is the captain and Patrick yep. Rowe of the Victorians in that mix. Some of the stars of the next generation, you reckon? Yeah, they are, most yeah. definitely. Yeah. Is it a pretty good strike rate very quickly, the under-19 team into the seniors? Uh, it, it is. It, it, does, it does give a good indicator for, I guess, rookie contracts to come forward, but it is a big step from under-19, even international level, yeah. uh, into domestic cricket and the very pointy end. Um, the so, look, Australia looking okay there. They've got a pretty strong team together. Plenty of cricket going on around the world too. What's the wrap-up? Uh, well, the, the the fourth test in Johannesburg, England uh, tracking along pretty good. South Africa really do need, need to lift their game. India are over in New Zealand now after that one-day one series against uh, Australia. Um, they're in New Zealand and they won that first T20. And Pakistan and Bangladesh, well, they just threw out another T20 international and uh, <laughs> Pakistan did the number over Bangladesh, as you'd probably expect. Yeah. I think the South Africa-England series has been the one that's caught the attention of most people. It is too, in prime time in, in Australia, for those yeah. uh, who have the access uh, accordingly. Uh, so that's an exciting one to follow. Um, we like to see the England under pressure, but they're doing pretty well over there. Finals, uh, The final week of the Big Bash and heading into finals, so it's going to be an exciting time. Yeah. Um, for me, I think the Stars are going to be hard to beat. Look out for the Sixers, though. Greg Shippard, he, as we said, for many, many weeks, he's the Australian cricket Yoda. <laughs> Thank you, Bryce. <laughs> Another good shift from you. Good on you, Jordan. <laughs> Terrific stuff. We'll see you next week. That stumps.